0: Avenue Church. I'm glad to see your few faces. It's nice to be together. Um, just to uh, explain to you what's going on. Why there's six chairs up front. Uh, initially, I volunteered for this time in space, and I was going to keep it very simple. And we will we'll start with that simple idea. Um, but the more I considered it, and the less I wanted to address the the situation we find ourselves in in this world with not being able to be here, and uh, just the concern that we have and, and all that. It's fine. Um, I didn't want to go there, but then I was persuaded, somehow or another, to start to address that in some way not to address it in a way that tells you what to do, but to invite you to have the conversation with yourself and with other people. Um, it's hard to say whether everything will go back to normal as we knew it. Um, and so I we can look at this as a, opportun- or a time of woe and despair and uncertainty, or we can look at it as an opportunity. Um, because things will turn around in some way or another but they may not go all the way back. So we have an opportunity, in my mind, to um, consider and think, well, we're not running to and fro as much as we often do, um, to, to rethink the way we, we do things, um, to find out what's most important, and uh, to, to refocus on those things, so that um, and when we are able to meet together again, we have a plan and a plan that all of us have agreed to and not just somebody who told you what to do so uh, at this point um, i'll invite uh, the other people participating with me in this conversation up front and at home if you're watching this you can uh, participate i guess in the conversation with yourself and maybe you could pause it and watch it or have a conversation with the people you're watching it with um, so, I, I just pray that this will uh, lead us somewhere good. This one will be yours, Mercy. And you guys get to share since you already share the same air. All right, so let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Sabbath in which we can rest and come apart and join together in your name. And we thank you for your many blessings, your care and watch over each of us. Lord, we um, this morning think of Mike Daniels and we ask that you will continue to see him through and give him health again. And uh, we also pray for his father in the hospital. And Lord, there's others in our community who are. in nursing homes or at home sick, we just ask your blessing on them. And Lord, uh, we just ask your hand on your church. Uh, heal us, grow us, and prepare us for what you have planned ahead of us. And Lord, um, I just pray your your hand on this conversation. Fill us with your spirit, and may may we uh, start something that uh, can change change the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, I think most of you will know the first question I'm going to ask you, um, but um, starting on that, has has any of you had like a, a vacation that you just dreamed of and that you accomplished or maybe you had a, a hope for a specific career and you You achieved that goal um, or or any other sort of dreams in your lives um, that were very important to you but they did come to fruition they did come true and if you have something that you could share
1: so I do I'll go first
0: okay this is Marcy
1: this is Marcy thank you Um, I I can remember being very young and always wanting to help people and um, At 12 years old, my mom worked was head of the Dorcas over in Hermiston. And she allowed us to be with her and um, help her. And I can remember thinking that this is what I want to do with my life. This is everything. I I love helping people. This is everything that I could ever think of. And um, through the years that I've been Working—that's what I've been doing all of this time, and and it seems like it keeps growing and getting better. With every job, I'm learning everything that I'm doing. It's getting better and better. And um, so, yes, being a social worker, working in services where not only are you um, helping people, but you're helping them to help themselves.
0: Okay, and and in that it. it it didn't just happen overnight I would say
1: it did not happen overnight <laughs> okay so that was when I was 12 and now I'm 51 so sure. it's been a lifetime
0: okay lifetime and I'm sure there was times where that was uh, it grew quickly and there was times where it, it maybe didn't happen as quickly and maybe even some setbacks yeah
1: oh absolutely so um, of course, going to college, that's always not easy. There's always a struggle with going to college and all of the classes that you have to do. And then after college, I went to Romania. And there was a lot of um, time that it took for me to actually get there to raise the money. And then there were some things over there that wouldn't allow me to go over. And and so it's, it's been that constant struggle. But yes, a little bit here. A little bit going quick and everything falling into place, and a little bit of struggle.
0: All right. Anybody else have anything they want to share? So does, it have to just
2: be, does it just have to be a success story? No. I'm,
0: this, this is kind of free range, so oh, we'll, okay. we'll expect it and we'll, we'll digest this as it comes.
2: I have found success in a secular setting. Uh, Due to something that at one time it just I thought that it was just something I had Not knowing at that point that it was a gift from God because of serious personal and inner-family dysfunction uh, My life by a lot of viewpoints would be a failure because of serial addiction and I don't mean Kellogg's (laughs) addiction to one thing after another Uh, by the viewpoint of a lot of the world, I would be classed as a failure. But until I was able, through God's grace, come into a relationship with him, my life now looks like a failure. After that fact, it was changed completely.
0: Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's very... Very uh, to the point of what we're going to talk about this morning. All right. Um, nobody else had any hopes and dreams came true?
3: I'll say a little bit. Um, my name is Leonard.
0: Got to turn that one on.
3: Sorry. It's on the bottom. I'll say it again. My name is Leonard. And my life has been an interesting developmental change in areas that I didn't anticipate or guess as a kid. I grew up an eighth of nine children in a little farm family in upstate New York, and and um, didn't see very far into the future. and Different horizons were limited. I had a few dreams, and maybe not dreams for me, but exciting things as a child in church. I remember a, a missionary came, a real missionary, and it was so exciting to talk to somebody that had been overseas serving. And with my childhood, there were a few things that made me realize the joy of service, and I thought it would be fun to be able to serve God somehow, but also I was limited, knowing how to clean the barn and milk a cow didn't really put me in line for many things. And I also learned that God had a plan, and trying to find that plan became a part of my life and my time in college and uh, training and... And it was exciting to discover that God does not only have a plan for us, but he wants us to have a fun, exciting um, life and career. And, you know, after 41 years of being involved in some of Adventist education, I, I really appreciate what his plans are for each of us, and hopefully I can find ways to share it.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I would probably lean more to your... I, I didn't have huge hopes and dreams uh, in life, per se. It just seemed like I just took what came next. Um, and and maybe we all identify with that in some way, um, and maybe we had hopes and dreams as a child, and they just kind of fluttered off because we realized I'm not going to become an astronaut if that was your dream, or whatever.
3: Um, it seemed out of reach. They usually seem out of reach to us, at yeah. least to me. Yeah. Um,
4: I I'll, I'll add in that um, I felt. I feel very blessed. I feel that um, my family, first and foremost, uh, my relationship with God, basically, for me, um, fill my life with such meaning that those, by far, are the, the biggest dreams come true. Um, I do have a profession that I work towards and mm-hmm. I enjoy, but um, definitely that's backseat to the, the other blessings that I am enjoying, and I think, um, you know, God has really made dreams come true in that sense. So. Okay,
0: all right, Yeah, and I think when we think of this in a, a broader, maybe a, a broader perspective, um, you know people who have a specific home and they will spend their entire life working towards re- achieving that goal of having this multi-million dollar home, or um, I want a specific car, and I will work until I get that car. Um, and, and I think we have all our little bits and pieces of that, right? We don't necessarily want those huge things, but we have little dreams and hopes, and, and we do work fairly hard to try to achieve those things. Uh, so so that I was recently um, presented with a question that said, what does your dream relationship with Jesus look like? And I hadn't really ever thought about that in in, in those terms. Um, I, t- I thought about those re- that relationship, and and when I talked to some of you, I, I said that um, I think often about how maybe I f- fail that relationship or um, I don't give it enough time. Um, maybe you had a little bit of time, some of you, to think about that. Um, maybe you don't have an answer, but, but maybe... When I was doing this class, I actually had to fill in the blank, right? What's that look like? Um, so maybe I'll give you guys that opportunity if you thought about it. What's, what's that dream relationship with Jesus look like?
2: It looked like today. Okay. Because, right, uh, we get to choose, they say, today who we serve. Uh, does that take us out of the umbrella of salvation. I'm not a theologian, so I don't know. But the truth is each one of us appear here. I notice all of us carry a book. Is it a covering? Something we can hide behind when the bullets fly? Or is it something that's real and tangible in our lives? Because this pretty much is the story of the dream relationship.
0: Mm. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that. I think that's there's truth in that. Anybody else?
5: I'm Jana. Um, For me, it's it's growing. It has to be something that's growing. If it's stagnant, Mm. then and that's that's what a lot of us get into. It just kind of sits. But as long as we keep growing, and it can only grow if you spend time with someone. You can't get to know someone better if you don't spend time with them. So that's part of the process. Yeah.
1: So I would say, sorry, <laughs> I would say that for me, a dream relationship would would be where I always hear God's voice. Mm. I always listen to the Holy Spirit. I always make right decisions. I'm always heading in the right direction. Mm. Um, that That to me would be like, perfect dream, that, that, that's, that we're running through a field together hand in hand, going the same direction always.
0: Right. Yeah, I,
3: I agree with that. That but... I like the idea of the relationship being something beyond our imagination, and it's there for me because of what it's been. It started as a fear, and that fear of God and give glory to him, to me, is real in the, when we start seeing who we are and who he is, it starts with a fear. And I was afraid I wouldn't be good enough. Mm.
0: Yeah.
3: And as I slowly learned that what I needed to do was to get to know him through different speakers and people talking and ideas that came to me. And I got to know him it changed from a fear to a love to a fascination to an amazement that he did have a plan for me and, a, and my life could be useful to others. I could make a difference. And, and then the relationship built to you know, instead of worrying about whether or not to spend enough minutes in the day in prayer to realizing all day is with him. Yeah. It grows into a, an exciting, real relationship in our life that takes away our fear of everything else. Yeah. And so now I'm not sure what fear is. When I say fear God or fear something else, I'm, I'm not sure how to relate to all that.
0: Mm, yeah, perfect love takes away fear. Or however you... That's a paraphrase of Craig. Not a <laughs> quote from the Bible. <laughs>
4: Um, when I think about the ideal relationship with God, um, you know, I was reflecting on that since you asked. Uh, you, you prepped us for that question, and I was thinking about ultimately um, self distrust is a huge part of that, um, which is hard <laughs> sometimes. I mean, it's hard because um, it drags us the other way a lot of times to start. Start uh, relying and depending on self we're used to that um, you know in, in, in many of our day to day activities we we lean on self so much and we need to get you know i 'll speak for myself I need to to just remember that you know and Sabbath is a great day to remember that mm-hmm. because you know we lay down our work and trust him to t- provide for us and take care of us and we can do that in a spiritual sense he is our righteousness. He is everything. And to just um, learn more and more that uh, it's it's about him, it's not about me um, doing. Mm-hmm. And we can just look at the life of Christ and bask in, in how he exemplified that. And he wasn't, you know, out there constantly glorifying himself. Uh, he was constantly in communion with his father, just trusting his father to... To you know carry him through, and you know I, I think that 's a beautiful model of the ideal relationship
0: okay. yeah, um, mo- many of you brought up things that I guess were in my own mind I, when I filled out that, I guess at the time, um, really, the way I relate to people usually falls into that um, I wish I related to people like Jesus related to them. Um, when I read the Bible, so I you know that filled in the box that he would create in me loving kindness um, mercy, forgiveness uh, you know the the list in chapter you know first Corinthians chapter thirteen, basically telling you what love is, uh, make me like that, um, a relationship that would grow that um, the fruits of the spirit, those types of things um, and 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 what Leonard said, this idea that uh, we might have a dream of what that looks like, but God's dream is beyond whatever that thing is. I mean, Marcy kind of put it at the pinnacle of our human understanding. Like, we always do what he asks. We hear his voice. Um, we have that relationship we see in the Bible with him. You know, like, God's right there. Um, I guess ultimately it would look like Adam and Eve but since we don't really know what that looks like much um, but I think it's important to whatever at the time we think that beautiful picture is God's picture is much bigger Um, and I guess you know I guess I guess the thing is we got to do is invite him to show us what that is and and to create that in us um, because we're, we're finite. We don't know what that looks like. And, and, and there is a time coming where that is going to be the thing that we hold on to, right? That relationship with Christ and, and nothing else.
1: If I can, Craig, I think it's a, a two-step process. Not only invite, because they say, you know, Jesus is knocking at the door, so invite him in. Mm. But then the thing that I always struggle with is the allowing, Mm. allowing him to then do what he came in to do. Yeah. So invite and allow.
0: Yeah, and I think there's some honestness in that, right? In this relationship with, with with Christ. I mean, he's not going to throw us aside when we're honest with him. When we say, I really wish I could give you more time, but it's not a desire in my heart. Can he change that desire? I mean, because we all feel that, right? We, we achieve a certain goal we get certain far and we feel comfortable and things are happening and then all of a sudden it's just like Rrr. it's like oh well I've i seen a new plane but that plane is very flat and and he calls us into something more and we're saying well I give it give me a desire for more right um, you got to it, it's a it's a time thing right <laughs> he's he's it takes time but also you have to give him the time to make that happen all right um. I don't think that any of us would disagree um, that that relationship is like a a reality, right? I mean, we can have a relationship with God. Um, We can, and I think most of us spoke to the fact that we do have uh, some experience in our life changed, and we we developed that relationship, and it it changed, and it continues to change. Um, But in case other people don't believe us, that it's not a reality to them, what scriptural evidence do we have that that's the case, that God does desire a relationship with us? It's not just out there. He's not just demanding of us and, and wanting from us, but he actually wants a relationship. What, what scriptural evidence? I don't, you don't have to quote a verse if that doesn't work for you. What pictures, what stories does the Bible tell that, that lets you know that that's true, that God does want a relationship with you, and it's real and tangible?
4: think the the life, life of Christ um, the fact that he would condescend to come here and live among us and you know be treated the way he was treated with with complete mm-hmm. love towards us and and sacrifice himself i mean you 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 just see how he um, how he came bad here going and bad. we recognize you know he has to love us. He has to want a relationship to be willing to
3: come here. Okay. You said we don't have to have a text, but when you started saying that, the thought that came to my mind immediately was John 17. Mm. Christ's prayer for us is one of the places I found mostly what he really wants me to have, and it's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, well, so let's speak to that, because that's one of the verses I have written down. Basically, that whole chapter, I would have to say, it's probably my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. Once I realized that Jesus prayed for me, um, that changed something. That that made me know that as I grew into that, you know, this understanding that Jesus, you know, having a relationship with God is a real, intangible thing. It's not just something people talk about. And what, what about John 17? There's two things in there particular to me. But
3: well, I like it where it says, "I do not pray for these only," assuming he's meaning those twelve he's sitting there with, but. Um, that they may be one, but for those who believe in me through their word, and then he goes on to talk about the close relationship he wants with us, mm. and knowing that he cares about me to want a relationship, and all I have to do is respond a little bit, and, and knowing how to respond was difficult for me to learn for many years, but I, a, a highlight for me, uh, one of these coming up to New Plateau thing that you mentioned was um, when I was in college, we had a speaker come to Atlantic Union College, where I was, and um, he talked about the relationship with Christ and he based it he says all you can really do is study pray and share and it was Morse Vendon, and, and anyone that's heard much of him has I found very few people don't agree very much with his idea that God wants a relationship with us and that's a way to get one started with him mm-hmm. keep it growing. Okay, he wants us with him it's all through John 17 it's just full of it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, one of the specific things there in 17, um, John 17, that speak, I, I think it is very clear. And, and maybe this relationship, you might disagree with me, but I think it is the thing that influences everything else in our Christian experience. Um, but chapter 17, verse 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, who you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. Um, that I think Leonard said last week in small group, you know, eternal life starts here. It's in knowing God that that life begins. Um, I don't know, that, that tells me right there that um, to know somebody, you have to experience them, um, have a, some sort of relationship with them. You can't just know somebody, I don't know.
3: And Adam New Eve. I mean, biblically, the word know is very close relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: it's, I don't. It started, it starts with his, he says he stands at the door and knocks, mm. you know, it's initially our opportunity and duty to open that door, to allow it to get started. Mm. And once it's started, he, um, verse 11 in that chapter, um, the very end, it says that they may be one as we are. Yeah. Wow. We can have that same relationship that God and his son have with each other. That's something I can't even fathom. Um, I I understand it a little better after my father had severe Alzheimer's. He didn't know who any of us were. He didn't know who my mom was, um, nothing. But even in his very last days, if we'd turn on a an old hymn that he used to sing, because he was a good singer. Um, he would lay there with tears running down his cheeks saying, I know my God is near. Mm. He still knew his God, even though he didn't know the rest of us. That's a very intimate relationship. It's, it's deep. And it, yeah, it took years to grow. It, it's, it's starting it and then continuing.
0: Yeah, I, I, that, I, you, look at the, you look at the New Testament and the relationship Jesus had with his father, um, I mean, it was very clear. He, he saw, he had what you had, right? He, he heard the voice of God. He prayed and, and knew what to do. He seemed to could pick apart a situation and, and know the person that had the good soil to talk to. Um, he, he knew that relationship was very clear. And the fact that we can have that relationship um, with him, I mean, that's, like you say, it's, it's mind-boggling and amazing. Um, But it also seems to, and we'll get to that point, but it also says he wants that between us, right? A a relationship very similar to that. Um, Any other scripture uh, that comes to mind, I think, too, as you think about it, um, what Barb said? So um, shall we
2: try something completely different? Because we're talking about, you know, how do we know that God creator of everything, wants a direct relationship with each one of us. We sit here because we have a relationship, but where is the evidence of this? Mm. And so for me, it comes out of Romans 8, very clearly, starting in verse 2. Now let's go to verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. That can be intimidating. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. This is to part. He sent his own son, the one and only son, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body... God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as sacrifice for our sins. He did that so the just requirement of the law could be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Then we go on, but if we drop down to verse 30, or actually 29, it says, "'For God knew his people in advance, And he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called to them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Mm -hmm. That
3: speaks about someone who cares about us. (laughs) Very much so. Yeah. One interesting thing, I have the Revised Standard here, and it says there at the end of 29, um, those whom before knew, he also predestined. And with the predestination discussions that we grew up with, I like that one there. He predestined Absolutely. us to be saved.
0: Yeah. Uh, to speak to what Barb had said, uh, John 1 says, you know, he, uh, John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt with us. Mm-hmm god didn't just stay out there he came to the mess um it's very clear that he wants to be part of us he wants he cares about us and wants us right and i don't think that we we struggle um we struggle to experience that but we don't necessarily disagree with with that that god wants a relationship with us Uh, or maybe we do i I don't know Wait a ideas. minute,
2: you got to explain struggle because I fi- fought like a fish on a hook when this thing began to happen and I wanted no part of it mm. because I was okay. So f- for those that are raised in a church setting, it may look completely different than someone that comes from uh, like another planetary system. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And there is a struggle. I grew up, you know, born on a Sabbath morning, and that's probably the only church i missed for years. Um, I recognized that God loved people and he created people, but it was a long time before I could believe that he really loved me because I knew me too well and my self-confidence, my knowledge of my own badness kept getting in the way of that relationship. And, and that's a hurdle for a lot of people, mm. is that we get in the way of a relationship of Christ by recognizing how bad we are. The devil uses it. Mm.
1: Um. Yeah, it's much easier going off of that. It's much easier to recognize why God can love other people and see exactly exactly but then because we know those darknesses within us or whatever to trust that that god loves me too and if i was the only one he would have come here that is it's it's humbling but it's also um amazing but unbelievable
2: um just a sec, craig yeah for those of us that have a, a different past than the typically churched individual this book can be damning yeah because that is what i believed because it very clearly says in deuteronomy certain things condemn you Mm -hmm. well because i was guilty of a certain act of my own when i read this i knew ah, i'm beyond that I can't be saved because of this. My sin in my mind was greater than God's ability and his mercy and his grace. And I think that's a common belief about people, like I said, that have no contact Mm. with any type of faith except faith in self.
0: Yeah, you, you pointed out in Deuteronomy, but Paul gives lists multiple times. He says, if you do any of this, you're not part of the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, it, it, if if you grow outside of, even if you grow up inside of this system, you can feel that, that you're not part of that. Um,
1: I think I I, I I take a little exception to what you 're saying, except your experience is yours. Um, but I think in many ways, those of us who have grown up in the church can become numb to so much of of that, and then also when we do fall or when we do um, make bad choices or whatever, that we can feel even more um, judged, not because Well, okay. I'll say I. I feel more judged because um, I know that if I said that, I would assume other people are thinking bad things of me. I mean, I don't think it's as easy for me to share maybe when I have fallen away or maybe when I've made poor choices than when I see somebody who has been unchurched and comes in and they say, I've been saved from drinking alcohol, or I've been saved from smoking, or I've been saved from this. People, when you grow up in the church, don't expect you to to say those types of things, mm-hmm. that I've been saved from alcohol, or saved from smoking, or
4: whatever.
0: OK. Um.
4: Uh, Neo, just commenting. In case somebody's listening and in that position too, um, text that would give give me hope in that situation would be, you know, Jesus when he was here saying, you know, he came uh, basically uh, to heal the sinners. You know, uh, you know, when he was at the house of Matthew and they're eating together and they were accusing him of eating with sinners, and he said, "I've come to to heal those who are." you know, sinful, those who are looking for healing. And then I think about John, I believe it's John 9, where there's the blind man, and he's, you know, Jesus gives those words that he's, you know, he's here to give sight to those who recognize they're blind, basically. And, you know, there's hope for those situations. I mean, it's, you know, there there are passages that could, make it seem harsh but there's definitely when you look to christ you'll see the solution that that he is
2: yeah and i think lynn spoke to that right there's no condemnation in christ
4: absolutely
2: Um. Absolutely none but you see you know it's reiterated in deuteronomy but it's actually in the commandment law Mm. the part the exact words that put me beyond the salvation that was available freely to those who had not and this is it It's verse 13. And this is tough for me. You must not murder. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have, sorry, Mm -hmm. you're checked off the list. Boom. And that can lead me into a lifestyle that says this is it. You're alive, then you're dead. Mm. But the truth is, just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they were... You know, walking along, having a great conversation with this guy, not knowing who he was until what happened? He opened their minds. Until God, through the Holy Spirit, reaches out and touches someone, how can we say that person is not saved, that person is saved in the continuum of their life? Until God reaches out, and does the active, because that's what happened in my case. I was not seeking. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, but somebody was seeking after you.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can run so far. What's Mm -hmm. that psalm that says, you know, I can go down to the grave, and there you are. I can do anything I
3: want, but there's your spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, He mentioned a little bit about, how you find yourself down here, and and there's no way, and the Holy Spirit's work and stuff. And I've really appreciated not just John 17, but 14, 15, 16, 17, as it outlines the Holy Spirit's work, God's work, and then ours, Mm -hmm. and the convicting part that we try to use. If I had known Lynn at that time and tried to convict him, it would have been a joke. But we often do that, try to convict others of right and wrong, instead of letting the Holy Spirit and just loving them. Mm I don't know Lynn's story well enough, but I'm sure somewhere in there, somebody loving him probably helped him to recognize the Christianity, the Bible, might have something for him. She sits right over there.
4: <laughs> um, just thinking of verses that reinforce this idea that he wants to have a relationship with us, I thought of 1 John 3, one. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Um, you know, as a mother hmm. like, that's that's pretty awesome
0: yeah um, he calls the bible in exodus uh, nineteen six and revelation one six calls us to be a kingdom of priests. The priests were very close to god in in the sanctuary um, talking back to that relationship, being very close um and then even in the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians six nineteen, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Um, he wants to be in us. Um, I think a couple of you have um, alluded to Revelation three twenty. He says, he knocks at the door. If you open, he'll come in and eat with you and you with him. Intimate experience of eating with each other. I mean, this is very... Today, we kind of throw that aside and eat wherever we eat, but for there it was there was an experience happening right um, and we 've kind of started to go into the next section I wanted to talk about, and how this relationship then relates to how we relate to other people people few of us have said things, so just as a um, illustration that came to me was given in the last couple of weeks as I was watching things. Um, if we were, say, we were part of Israel and some yahoo goes and collects a bunch of stones in his shirts and he starts throwing them at, the, t- at the, the, the tented temple, right? We'd probably be a little upset about that. We might have some words with the person, maybe stop them from doing such things. This is the, this is the place where God dwells, right? Um, how often do we throw rocks at each other and uh, treat each other poorly? Um, i mean i 'm talking to myself here i don 't always treat people as I ought to as as God treats them um, it 's like throwing you know it's like it 's like throwing stones at the at the place where God dwells um, It really speaks to the, the value of all of us we we struggle with devaluing some and, and raising others up and it 's not not the case at all um, so how do we? I mean, we recognize that he wants a relationship with us. How how does that relate then to how we relate with other people?
4: I think, you know, I I bank on this the fact that by beholding we become changed, and um, just constantly seeing how Christ treated people, how he was gracious in the face of uh, persecution. Uh, you know people accusing him and hurting him and even on the cross and he was always gracious. there was never a moment where he didn 't love and and treat with grace everyone that he was involved with, and you know just constantly basking in that, studying that, focusing on how he treated people and uh, letting him change our hearts it it will it will be his work to see that um, treatment of others you know change as our character changes mm-hmm. and we we need to just pour pour ourselves into him and let him mold us change us sure
2: but isn't it a vision problem it's a vision's a problem my wife prays quite often for the eyes of Christ seeing someone the meth addict that's in active addiction who's going to have a child, another child mm. that's going to be a meth addict seeing them not as I we see them because we see them as less, less than and the reason any time that we apply a label to anybody or any group, it's the first step to dismissal. Hmm. I can dismiss them because, and without that vision that Christ had when he held the leper in his hands, when he held the adulterous woman's future in his hands, without that, and I think it all flows from the grace that we've experienced. If we haven't felt the need of this true, mind-blowing grace, then maybe we can't extend
3: quite as much. Mm. I think that somewhere in our growth as we get to know God, for me, there was a startling discovery and that's when I discovered that it wasn't to get to heaven that mm. I was doing all this. It was a relationship, and a relationship that wasn't only good and exciting for us, but it's incomplete if we don't share it. Um, you know, when I ask about the commandments, they're all, oh, I want to know what's the right commandments. Well, love God, and then love your fellow men. Well, okay, so let's love everybody, but until you try and really realize His love and really share it with others, you don't find total happiness, you know, we don't even tie, at least when I was young, I didn't tie it to a relationship with God where I'd find joy and happiness and fulfillment. I found lack of fear because I won't die when Christ comes again. It was all that I was looking for, and I found so much more mm-hmm. in finding the joy of sharing. And that, again, in John 15 when, you know, this... Abide in me and keep my commandments. And I ask them, what are your commandments? Love God, love your fellow men. That's our work. And there's joy and happiness there. And and I don't know how to share that enough. You know, I I would not have chosen. You know, People that knew me when I was a young kid found out that I was teaching school. They just looked at me and oh, you teach school? I mean, they couldn't fathom that. I would not have chosen education as a career um, without a lot of things that happened to make me choose it. And as I look back, I'm glad I didn't choose anything else because that was the way that I was able to help more people. And it's almost selfish in that it brought me so much happiness. I didn't want to quit. Mm.
1: So I, I think that um, we also have to practice at it. I think that it's, it's not just automatic for mm. us to just go out and be able to love people. I mean, even if the spirit indwells in us, and um, it still takes practice to go out and to meet people and to talk to people and to connect with them on that level. And you you have to, and, and by practice, I mean like daily practice talking to somebody new or sharing something of yourself or even not judging when you see somebody. Maybe have that split second judgment, but then thinking, OK, what else could it be? What else, what else is going on with this person that I may not know about that, um, that I'm going to learn about? Because now I want to know what's going on with them. So I think mm-hmm. it takes practice of learning to love them or learning just not to judge them. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a social worker, um, it's, it's been said that we get it right 30% of the time. So when when we're working with somebody across the desk from us, um, there's always that judgment of, wow, this person is going to be a rock star in this program, or this person, oh my goodness, this is going to be such a struggle. And then um, just the opposite is true many, many times. But just to even know that 30% of the time, I'm going to get it right about this person. So that's not even a flip of the coin as to whether or not I'm, <laughs> I'm judging them correctly or not.
0: Hmm. Um, Yeah, I I think we've kind of spoken to the point where to to, to share this relationship we have, we have to then have a relationship with somebody else to share um, with them. Uh, I don't know, maybe growing up in this, you get the idea that you have to give somebody a Daniel and Revelation seminar to... That, I mean, that's the point, right? I mean, that's kind of what we've been taught, is like, this is how you share God with somebody else. And, and, it, it, and it's not, maybe it's that, but I think it's more than that. It's, I know this God, and he cares about me, and this is what he's doing for me. That can come across as somebody else much more relevant than, than the other, in, in a lot of cases. And in, I would say in today's day and age, probably more so. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you don't feel like you grew up in a way that that's how you're supposed to share God.
1: Well, no, I I think it's very good. And and my son, Ryan, is studying um, theology. And last night we were having a discussion about that. And he said, I don't know if I'm going to be good at this because I haven't convicted anybody yet. Uh And I said well here's the great news for you it's not your job to convict anybody that's the holy spirit's job your job is to be the sower planting seeds and you may not be the person who ever harvests anything you may not be the person that someone from up at the baptismal tank says it's because of you that i was baptized i mean it that could not but it could be because of you planting that seed with them and developing that relationship breaking the bread with them Mm -hmm that caused them to have that change in thinking or caused them to start taking that first step on their path.
0: Sure. I, I mean, to, to be real with you, and I've probably said this before, When, when it, at some point in my life, you know, I did this coming to church and, and, and participating in it in ways, but when it was really convicting to me that I needed to, like, share something with somebody, people I was working with, I didn't know them well, but I was becoming friends with them. I really need to share something with you. And I realized that I really felt like I didn't have anything to share. Um, even though I knew a lot of stuff, I didn't feel like I had anything to share. And it was at that point where God stepped in, and, and this relation thing came, began to flood in and, and, and change me and, and make me realize that it's more than just this information about this book— But it's about my experience with him. That's what's worth sharing. And um, I I guess that's kind of where I'm at with that.
3: I think he finds a way. I've said many times that I used to wonder as a kid why God didn't use angels to be school teachers and pastors because they're the ones whose mistakes really hurt a lot of people. But when I look back and realize... He wants us to experience sharing his love in a way we can grow so much in it. Mm. And that's part of our growing. And for me as a kid, to think that I might have something to share was a remote thought. But I did get, get to go to junior camp. All right, my older sis, I had six sisters, and if they worked at junior camp, they could bring a kid free, and so I got to go to junior camp as a kid. And when I was 14, they, they were out of staff, and they made me a counselor. And I look back, you know, 30 kids in my cabin at 14 years old and 15 years old, and how could this work? But I discovered through doing a job that they told me to do that I knew I couldn't, I discovered the joy of sharing. Hmm. It's not like I figured out there'd be joy in sharing. Many things in Scripture they tell us to do, you know, keep the Sabbath. Why? Why keep a Sabbath? You know, but after keeping a Sabbath for a few years, I started discovering, hey, there's no better plan. I mean, it's part of an excellent plan. We get, God has a plan for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 is good to that. That He's got a plan for us, and it's a good plan. And even if we don't know enough to follow it, He will push, I mean, He loves us so much He'll do anything to help us discover that plan.
2: Hmm. I agree. Um, Craig. Yeah. So on your worst day, you know, the day when the dog's done something really nasty in the house, your kids have, you know, just driven you nuts. On that day, how do you represent Christ? Yeah. Is it about saying the right word in the right moment or just walking? I remember a number of years ago, Norma and I, were, whether we wanted to be or not, we were in a relationship with a very alcoholic, drug-addicted couple. And I used to roll my eyes when Norma said, it's Chico. And I thought, man, I don't want anything to do with it because they're such a drain. It's just like a huge vacuum cleaner sucking all the air out of the room. But then Chico ended up doing his addictive thing and having, you know, the police gave him a ticket. I mean, like a ticket to leave. And his sister came and she says, are you Lynn the Christian? Had nothing to do with me. In my heart of hearts, Mm. I would have been happy to see him run over by a car. But... In the moment when he would come and he'd say, Lynn, I need three bucks. And I reach in my pocket, I have three bucks. Mm. Is it my job to say, man, you're just going to go buy some night train with this? Which is what he did most of the time. Well, when he'd call and he'd say, and the weather was rotten, he says, can you get me a room at the motel? And I had the money. Did I want to do it? Whew, are you kidding me? But the reality is, on our worst day, what do people say about us?
0: yeah, I think more and more that 's that that relational part with jesus is i that 's what I want right I want to be like he would be um, we've Lynn and I have talked a little bit about the hard things that Jesus said. Um, he said some pretty harsh things at times called the uh, the, the leaders of the church of that day, vipers and serpents, and... Get me, Satan. And, Yeah, or to his best, one of his best friends, get behind me, Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you had to imagine that he had some sort of compassion, something in him that didn't push them away. Um, what he might have said didn't convict them, and they went away. But others, it, it changed their heart and, and brought them... Um, it, Did he
2: wash 11 pairs of feet? Yeah. Or 12? Yeah. And he says, I know who you are. You're the devil. And yet, how did he treat him? He was reclined with him. He probably fed him that evening. There is a good chance of that. Is that the sign of an enemy? or the closest friend.
0: But he did in fact feed him. He says, whoever eats of this is going to betray me. Yeah. And I handed it probably right See, that's over. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was with you in a youth class when that realization that Jesus washed his feet that night came to me. And it, it, that blew me away. Like, the guy that's going to betray me has been stealing from my coffers, everything. I, I still loved him as much as he loved everybody else. Yeah. Um, any, any other thoughts about about, about uh, this relationship with God and how it, it, it relates to relating to other people before I move on to the final and last thing? We're about really out of time, but nothing? Okay, then I got another question. Uh, how do we do church, whatever you want to say, whether it's this service that we have once a week for a couple hours or just church family as a whole, how do we do church to help facilitate this relationship? This relationship with Christ and a relationship with each other that looks like that relationship between the Father and the Son. How do we, how do, we do this? And, and I'm throwing this out as a very big, heavy question because I don't know that we're going to have answers. But I invite you to ask that question. How do we do this thing called church, or whatever we call it, that facilitates that?
1: I think one of the first things we have to do is get down off our high horse and get real, get get. Allow people to see our underbellies or the things that we've done wrong be more open and honest with each other You know a lot of people say they don't want to come to church because it's full of hypocrites Well in a lot of ways that's true because it's it's really easy to point to Others and not so easy to point back at yourself so I think just getting real and getting honest and sharing with people that we had struggles, or that we have struggles, have so that it doesn't appear to those who are unchurched that we are holy and perfect people in these four walls.
2: Mm. Because Craig and I have watched a particular video, uh, Craig sent me a text that said at 44 minutes in, They throw the bomb or something close to that. And at first, I agreed with throwing the bomb. But then, you know, God slaps me in the back of the head and says, sit down and be quiet, dummy. And he took me directly. This is Jesus, probably the clearest explanation of what worship looks like because that's what I think we need to go to is what does Jesus look at worship and this is the amazing story in John 4 of the Samaritan right shouldn't have been there in Samaria to begin with walking on that road because Jews didn't do that shouldn't be talking to a woman who an unmarried woman in the middle of the day shouldn't have been shouldn't have been shouldn't have been and she comes up with this in verse 19 Sir the woman said you must be a prophet so tell me why is it that you jews insist that jerusalem is the only place of worship while we well, we samaritans claim it's here at mount gerizim where our ancestors worshiped and jesus replied believe me dear woman the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. If you jump then to John 7... Verse 63. The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and truth. So we have to get past that worship looks this. Mm -hmm. This is the true expression of my faith. And maybe... Extend the grace that we've received. That my expression of faith may be completely different than yours, but it might not be wrong. Okay. Uh,
0: since I don't have any other thought in my mind right now, except for this, I'm not suggesting that what we were doing was wrong. I didn't
2: either.
0: But is it the best? I, what's the best way to bring? And, and I say relationship is, is the thing that informs all the rest of it. I say that because if we don't have a relationship with Christ, when we read this book, we see God in a certain way. If we know Christ and we see, read this book, we see him in another way. Um, I think our 27 fundamental beliefs, if we know Christ, they should talk about him. And we should be able to tell it in a way that doesn't sound like, well, we're proud because we know this information and you don't. But it tells about Jesus.
2: Um. Leonard and Jenna both spoke out of it. It's called John 17. Mm. Without that as a basis, the unity of spirit and person and then persons within a community If I'm so distrustful of the person because I'm standing in my hiddenness because it isn't safe to say today I am not doing well. Then there will never be John 17 until we come into that relationship with Christ and with one another where I can stand up and fearlessly say today I'm in active addiction. Today, I kicked the dog, slapped the wife, you know, ran six lights without fear of condemnation and knowing that my brothers and sisters in a faith community will not say, well, that's okay, but will love me enough that I can say those things that are hard because I don't see hard things being said.
0: Without throwing rocks back at
2: you.
0: You can say those things without rocks being thrown back at you.
2: Oh, no, there'll be innuendos, <laughs> which hurt a lot more.
3: Okay. Um. Talking about our church, it's, it's, um, it's quite an amazing institution, and I have to believe it's God ordained you read too much in scripture about coming together and worshiping together, the church, what the church is, what the church will be. And we, as well as many other denominations, feel like our church has the truth. Many people in other churches would say, well, the Bible is the truth. We all have the Bible. And they worship different than we do, and we say, oh, well, you're wrong on this and this. And they say, well, you're wrong you know, you put too much emphasis on this and that. But what it all amounts to, I think, that the important part is, is that we find a way to worship and share together. Mm-hmm. I think we need that. I think we need it weekly. I think we need it maybe more often than weekly, especially mm-hmm. as we get older and have less. I mean, you know how often Jan and I see other people out there in our little 40 acres? <laughs> I saw someone last week. No, anyway. Mm-hmm. We need to share. Mm-hmm. And our little church groups we've been having because... This law a loss as we can't go to church because, you know, maybe if we all protested at church, we could get away with it. <laughs> but anyway, I won't go farther there. Um, we can't come to church so we meet in these little groups. And I asked at our little group, how many of you miss church and would rather that than this little group or something along that line. And We, we like the little groups. If there's somebody that's walking on our toes, we can go to a different little group. We've got to grow through that, too. But I think having different churches, and they're all different, is important because we're different. Hmm. I mean, Lynn and I have talked about our backgrounds. And what I know of Lynn, I really appreciate. Uh, we're both too busy to have had a lot of time together. But over the 20 years that I've known him, I really appreciate a lot of things about Lynn. But I hardly know him, hmm. really. Um, And it's like that with everyone else here, you know, I I know several of the people's here's names But I don't know everybody, but I think we need the support of a group that knows us and accepts us Mm -hmm. and To remain a part of that group. I think we have to Become a part of it to invest in it Um, Not only time but whatever we have to share If we're going to find true joy in any group. I remember one time I told Jana you know, and I'm the principal of the school, and I said, man, Jan, I don't even like going to this church. And I don't remember if she said it, or all of a sudden it struck me, well, get involved. So I took a Sabbath school class. And so,
5: Jan, we got to get ready
3: to go to church. Gotta, you know. I was excited again. We need to get ourselves involved and help others get involved Amen. and keep it growing. I don't think we can do it without it, but I don't think it'll ever be what it was two years ago again. And maybe that's good.
0: Yeah, uh, I would say that the small groups do provide this relationship thing. People know each other better. People are, that maybe don't say anything so are starting to say things. Um, we share things about ourselves, the way we think. Um, we all think differently, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think there's people who in, in, in our church that would run far, far ahead of us. Maybe you would, might want to say more to the left than some us, and and there's others who are dragging with a chain in an anchor behind, but we need all those people. Otherwise, we it just doesn't work. I think that's that's a reality of the situation. And then, but we have to still be willing to get along. Um, I think I think that's clear. Um.
4: I, you know, I agree with the the whole small group thing being powerful because. Um, Recently, one of my coworkers has gotten involved with a study group we have, which is, you know, because of COVID, it's online. But um, I don't, you know, I enjoy coming to church. I've come to church my entire life. I've been Adventist my whole life, and it's I'm comfortable in a setting like this. Mm. But my coworker, I don't think would be at yeah. least not right off. And that's an advantage of those small groups is. You're in a home, you're in a familiar setting. You're not with hundreds, you're with a few. And, um, you know, I think about the early Christian church and how they met in homes and prayed together and studied together and shared meals together and shared everything they had, hmm. um, which almost seems far fetched today because, I don't know, maybe I'm so selfish or something you know i hang on to things that i earned and i have to think about my family first and i need god to break down that wall because that's not completely uh, christ-like i mean it's it's a really selfish attitude and and christ had no home and didn't worry about providing for you know him of course he chose not to have kids and whatnot but (laughs) but so there's these these feelings of like you know, I want, I would love to have a church community where everybody gave of themselves, but it's, it's a, an admirable, admirable thing that the early church did. A bit harder, I think, today, <laughs> for me anyway.
0: Yeah, you, you, you saying that, that it's, it, it's hard to to be able to say give away, but if we really knew somebody and really knew their needs, it might be easier, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I guess I, I'll say um, Francis Chan, and I don't remember the name of the sermon. Uh, he, if you, if you want to know, get in touch with me. He he basically says you know he he was a mega church person. He, he started a mega church. It was huge. He had pastors under him, and he came to the realization this is not what it's about. Like this is wrong. So he went backwards and and revisited what the Bible says about what church looks like. Um, and started again. And in that sermon, he talks about there at the end that in his elders group, they said, "Well, we could probably give up our life insurance. You know, I'll take care of your kids." And they're like, "I'll take care of your kids." I mean, that was what they decided they could do um, to help, give more to to the community and help people. Um, I I mean. That they've talked about where they were at, that there was no such thing as an orphanage. Somebody had a kid that needed to be taken care of. Somebody was going to take care of that kid.
3: They didn't know the word orphanage there. They, yeah. you know, somebody asked, it was a volunteer student missionary says, I wanted to work at an orphanage. Do you have one here? And I said, what's an orphanage? Place for unwanted kids. unwanted kids. They couldn't relate. You know, we have worked overseas. We have worked in education and and one thing I have to say about a big, organized church, and the 7th Adventist is a big, organized church. is It was amazing over there to go to an island that had nothing for Adventist work, and to dream and build a school and a church and see it happen, and know that all you have to do is say, we need. And it will come from, this, mm-hmm. from all the rich people in the states that are coming to church and giving a few cents each week. But there's thousands of them, you know. I like our church's mission. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things about the church I wish I could change. Probably a good thing that I can't because my mind is so limited. But I really like our church's mission, and having been part of that for my life was an amazing thing. And I like the organization of a church, and I'm glad that, like, what do we have here? We've got this church that can seat how many? If, if we could come in and sit here next to each other, and you know. You know. It's a big building, a lot of people. And then we've got Pilot Rock, hmm. Athena. And then there's a closed church here at the mission because, whatever reasons, we have a lot of options of how we worship. And sometimes I like to be in Pilot Rock with 15 people, and sometimes I like to be at Walla Walla with, I don't know how many are in that sanctuary. They're both different worship experiences, and different people enjoy them, and I enjoy different ones at different times. But I've got to make sure I keep growing and help others grow if I'm going to enjoy it.
0: Um. Yeah, Greg. I a
5: while ago, you you did a an example of diversity, talking about this person on the left and this person on the right and behind. And but I think one of the most important things we need to remember that yes, we we diversity is actually a good thing mm-hmm. because then we can help understand not only ourselves better, but other people better too, both. But we also need that unity. And that's what Christ prayed for with his disciples. He had a, a crazy diverse group, you know, fishermen and you know, all kinds of things. And yet he prayed for that they may be one in him. Mm. Not one on a mission for self, mm. but one in him. And if we don't have that unity, while keeping the diversity, so that we can reach different people, but we need to have the same goals, the same love, inside, keeping us as one. Mm.
0: Okay. Well. Is any other any other thoughts before we? this morning.
4: I guess I'm going to come back to that dilemma I'm thinking about of just sharing everything and it, and it all boils down to am I trusting in myself or am I trusting in God and as a church we just need to depend on him and recognize he will provide and be willing to sacrifice and to love and as you said get to know people better and, and we would Our hearts full of empathy would go out to be more willing to do that.
3: It's interesting trying to help someone see where that trust starts when they just start down that road. Mm. You know, Scripture gives us ideas on how to care for health, how to care for finances, how to treat other people. And until we dare to try the Scripture way and find out they work, But the more you try it, the more it works. It's amazing how it does work. But getting a person started down that road can be pretty challenging to know how to introduce them to it and get them started. Mm. And Lynn said something a while ago about, you know, too bad. It's too bad. It wasn't for him. He was out of reach, you know. And I remember somebody said something once that I've tried to share with kids ever since. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. But you can't be bad enough that Christ can't get you there either. And I try to tell him, you know, God has a plan for you. Well, I've left that plan. Look at Jonah. He's got another plan. He's got a plan for every plan you fail. He's got another plan to get you there. And he's always there with his love to do it. And, you know, that was what I wanted to get the kids and anyone else. Mm -hmm.
2: Because if we look behind us, there's a sign on that cross that says, In God we trust. Is that just a cultural cliche, mm. or is it a reality? Yeah. Until it becomes reality and comes out of the realm of cliche, then it—there you go. Like Barb was saying, not only individually but corporately, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. What
0: I—I I, uh, apparently for online, I needed a title for this sermon, and what you said. Uh, made me at least want to bring it up. This is Psalms 34.8. It says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Um, in that relationship, you, you do discover that he is good. That he does taste good. Um, I think our invitation to others is give it a try. I remember as my children are growing up and trying new foods, <laughs> taste it and see. You might like it. Um, it was a joke because most of the time they really didn't like it, so we just use it as a pestering sentence. But, you can learn yeah. to like it. Yeah. Um, taste and see that the Lord is good. So I guess the, the uh, question I leave everybody with and not to have an answer is, what's God's dream for the church? Because um, he saw this coming. He knew it was going to happen. He didn't... Freak out! He's like, I have, a I have a plan. Come join me in it. And I think that should be our prayer. Show us what that is. Help us to walk in that. Um, help us to see what it could be. Um, I think uh, as he's there looking at Jerusalem, the, the disciples are like, come, come, look at this thing. It's pretty awesome. And he's like, man, what it could have been. Uh, we don't get a very good picture of that in the Bible, but Ellen White speaks to that. He, he, now, this is what it could have been. You could have, you could have changed the world, and yet you killed my prophets, and you, 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 you threw away everything I gave you. Um, he still has that same plan, and he's inviting us into it. And we just have to give him the opportunity to connect us into that and to um, be part of it. So I invite you to, as we don't always get to gather together. Um, Maybe some days it'll look more like what we were used to and what we expect it to return to. Um, But I pray at that time we have something better. Um, Something, it doesn't even have to necessarily be new, but better. I'm going to use that word, better. Um, So let's, uh, let's pray and we'll send people on their way. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you for this opportunity to come together and to uh, speak to the situation we're in. Lord, we just ask that we will be moved in our hearts and our minds to give you the time you need to change us, to make us more like you. Lord, uh, help it to be sweet to us that we might return to it continually, growing day by day, changing always. Um, Lord, we just ask that you will change our hearts and our minds um, that we might relate to each other as you relate to us, and um, help us to be willing to grow into that experience. Uh, prove, Prove yourself in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.